Well, thanks for coming. It is great to see you. Go ahead and turn in your Bibles to Genesis chapter 5. This evening we, we uh, really see the lineage of Adam and Eve through their son Seth. Uh, in this section of Genesis, sometimes it's overlooked because... It has, it has a listing of names. It's a genealogy, but we see there's some special truths there for us to gain from the past. And there's a pattern that we see in the pattern's death. The result of the fall, man, the result of fall of man, of course, is that death is coming to the world. In Adam all die, but in Christ all will be made alive. Chapter 5, I think, has been called the death chapter, the Genesis boot heel. And that's what it is. It's clear that God's promise came true. In the day that they ate from the tree, they the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, dying they would surely die. And they did. And the spiritual death came and immediately following that, of course, over a period of time comes the physical death. And chapter 5 shows that. That's what we're seeing. But there's the hope. There's two men uh, and two men in this, in, which we won't see it all in this passage, but there's Enoch and then Noah. Noah's over in the next chapter. But there's hope there because in those two men, they're the ones who walk with God. We see the hope of life. We see the hope of the rest. In fact, we'll talk about that a little bit because that's uh, what Noah's name means, the rest. And as we go through chapter 5 this evening, just we're only going to get the first 24 verses, may we understand this idea of walking with God and we'll see uh, the whole aspect of the hope that is there even in the midst of all the death. So let, let's pray, let's pray. Heavenly Father, what a great night. Thank you for our Savior Jesus. Thank you for those great songs. And Lord, thank you for the Bible. And we think about how perfect it is. We have the book of Genesis, which is the book of beginnings and all of the things. And we have the book of Revelation, which is the book of all the endings and the consummation, everything coming together. We have all the great stories in the Bible and the letters and the teachings and the and the uh, wisdom literature and just all of the good things that are there. Lord, help us as we look at Genesis, and especially as we look about chapter 5, which is a listing of the descendants of Adam through Seth. And, and we know that... Uh, Sometimes when you just look at genealogy, people, it, it's sort of, people would rather look at something else. But, Lord, we realize you put those names there for a purpose and that there are things that we can gain and learn. So, Lord, we just ask you that you'd teach us tonight. We ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I've read this before, but it's, it's kind of true. There's a cemetery in Indiana. There's a tombstone, and it says this. It says, Pause, stranger, when you pass me by, as you are now. So once was I, as I am now, so you will be. So prepare for death and follow me. But then someone had scratched below that. It said, to follow you, I'm not content until I know which way you went. And it's really true. <laughs> you know, you, you think about it, we're all going to die. We joke about it. We expect that one day, if the Lord tarries, we'll die physically. You know, we, we all realize that Jesus Christ could come any second. I mean, any second. And yet, uh, from Paul on, everybody's been saying Paul thought he could come any second, and he can. So we, we think unless he comes soon, though, we'll die physically. It's been said that death is perfectly natural. Well, the truth is it's not perfectly natural. No, it's not. God's plan for Adam and Eve in the garden was that they live forever. They live in perfect harmony. They live in fellowship with him. But sin entered as a result because they had disobeyed God and they fell, dying spiritually resulted in physical death. So death is a result of the fall. It's not the natural thing in a sense. It's what's happened because of sin. As a pastor, I'm involved in really events in people's lives. But there are three things that always stand out. There's the birth of a child, there's marriage, and there's death. The big three things. As we continue in our study of the book of Genesis, we're seeing chapter 5 that death reigns. In the listing of the lineage of Adam through Seth, we see over and over these words, and he died. 
But in this passage, there's the hope. The hope found in Enoch and the hope found in Noah, which is a little bit further down, is the hope of life and the hope of rest. And so we'll see it as we go through. Let me break down the passage for you. First of all, in the first five verses, we have sort of a review and a summary of the creation and then how Seth is made in Adam's likeness. And then there's this death cycle, and we'll go through it fairly quickly, verses 5 through 20, and the point is they all died. And then there's Enoch, who walked with God, uh, the hope of eternal life, how he was translated and didn't see death. And then the last part of the passage we won't get to tonight, but there's Noah and the family and the hope, the man who also walked with God, and we'll see that as well. So there's some, some good things there. As we studied the passage, death reigns, but there's the hope of life and rest. Now, as we begin, we think about the descendants of Adam through Seth. Now, last time, we saw Adam's offspring, but they threw Cain. And you remember when we looked at that passage, uh, it, it's pretty sad because when you see Cain and they moved away, of course, Cain killed his brother and he moved down and, he, and, 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 and you see the world that followed Cain was the world that, that didn't really follow God. And we saw all of these different things. We saw that guy named Lamech and he was challenging people and we saw all this stuff. And so it was kind of sad. And we saw what civilization was like apart from God. But toward the end of the chapter, it's, it just mentioned how Adam had relations with his wife again, and she gave birth to Seth. And, and they said, God has appointed us another one. And then it talked about Seth. And then at the very end of the passage, it said, Then men be- began to call upon the name of the Lord. And I think the idea there was to show us that through Cain, there was, there was the descendants. Whether Cain was a believer or not, we really don't know. But through Cain became an offspring of people that really moved away from God and didn't even think about God. But then we're going to find this one named Seth, who that when Seth was born, men began to call upon the name of the Lord. And the idea is that through Seth is going to be this generation of people we're seeing that are going to be those who believe, those who follow. And so there's a contrast, and it's always be that way. It's going to always be that way. I always think about at the end of Paul's, uh, all of his journeys and his rest, and he was tra- taken to Rome, and there he is in Rome, and when he gets to Rome, he calls in the Jewish people to meet with him. He's fixing to be in prison for two years, but he didn't know that. And he calls in these Jewish people. They say, we want to hear what you have to say. And so they, get, they all get there, and Paul talks to them a whole, the whole day, talking about Jesus and how God set him apart and all this stuff. And at the end it said, and some believed, and... Some didn't. And almost every time you look at something, there'll be people who believe the truth and there'll be people who don't. And we look at it in our culture and there are people... People like you who believe the Word of God and you've trusted in Christ and you want to know the Scripture and you, you say, we, we want to grow, we want to know the Lord, we want to serve Him. And then there are people who, who just say, that's not for us. We don't, we don't hold to that, we don't believe that, we, we do our own thing. And so as we look at tonight's passage, we're actually seeing the ones that, that seem to be the followers of God. And there's the contrast between the descendants of Cain and the descendants of Seth. And as we begin chapter 5, we see these descendants through Seth, and it's the truth that comes out over over in the passage and no matter who it is they all died whether believers or unbelievers the fall brings death and you remember the promise in genesis 2:17, dying you shall die and the way it's written in the hebrew it, that's what it is dying you shall surely die the idea of dying physically dying spiritually you'll die physically life began with adam and his offspring and that's what we're going to see tonight, this, this offspring of Adam through Seth and how it all fits. Chapter 5 begins with the generations of Adam, and we'll see how it looks, fits. Look at uh, verse 1. This is the book of the generations of Adam. 
in the day when God created man, he made him in the likeness of God. Now, you remember we said that a lot of times in Hebrew, they'll give you a, like an overview of something, and then, and then they'll go to the details on the important ones. Well, we saw really in the end of chapter 4 a quick overview of, of, of Cain and what his descendants were like, and then just a brief statement. But then they had Seth, and men and people begin to call upon the name of the Lord. Now, in chapter 5, he starts, and he's saying, the generations of Adam. But, you know, when he names the generation of Adams, he doesn't name Cain and he doesn't name Abel. He's naming Seth because Seth's going to be the one in which we see this flow. And so he says, this is the book of the generations of Adam. In the day when God created man, he made him in the likeness of God. So here's the listing of the descendants. God created man. Notice over and over and over in the scriptures, it is clear that man did not evolve but was created by God. When you look in Genesis chapter 1 and Genesis chapter 2 and Genesis chapter 5, over and over we see the details. In Genesis 1 and 2, the details of creation. Man is made by the creator but notice in this verse it says in the day that God created man he made him in the likeness of God man we saw in the earlier chapters was made in the likeness and made in the image of God man is different from all the other creations all the other creatures man has a mind emotion and will man has a capacity to understand eternity even even now in a fallen state in Ecclesiastes it says he has put eternity into our hearts and people, even if they lie to you, because they will, they'll lie to you, they'll, they'll have fooled themselves enough to say, oh, when you die, you die. But deep down, everybody knows there's something beyond this. There's eternity in our hearts. We know that something more than just this life in this world. And so there's this concept of eternity and the desire to have fellowship with the living God. Man is the crown of all creation. Man was to have rule and dominion over the earth, over the animals, over the plants, over everything. Man was made in the image of the living God. Verse 2, he created them, male and female, and he blessed them and named them man in the day when they were created. Now, once again, this is just a summary statement because we know chapter 2 gives us a lot more details. It says he created them, male and female. That's what he said in Genesis chapter 1. In the beginning, he says, and God said, let us make man in our image. And, you know, this this is so he created the male and female. We know that, that you get chapter 2 and you find that he made the man first and then the woman out from the man. That's why the man, his name was Adamah, which means dirt. That's why it says here, if your Bible is like mine, it says he created the male and female and blessed them and named them man. Does your Bible say that? Does it say named them man? And then does it have some little reference that shows that that's Adam? Because that's the name, Adamah, Adam. And he was the Ish, the man. She was Isha, out from man. But he named them. He named them man, named them Adam in the day in which they were created. So we have this overview. He formed the woman from the man. He blessed them. Notice, he blessed them. They were to have dominion and rule. Of course, what we're really getting in chapter 5 is a review of what we saw in chapter 1 and chapter 2. But he's going back because he's already gone through Cain. And he's shown, shown what happens when people have moved away from God. And you see a person like Lamech who kills people, who kills somebody and said, who's going to touch me? Nobody's going to touch me and all of these things. And so he's moved away. Now he's moving back and he says, and he blessed them and he named them man in the day that they were created. They're different from the animals. We're not some continuum in the process of evolution. And it's just going so slow you can't tell what's happening. See, that's what people, that's what evolution actually says. You know that. We're not the end. We're in a process of changing to becoming something else. But they'd say it's just going so slow we can't tell. It's going pretty fast for most of us, isn't it? <laughs> you know? And, and so, but the idea there is we, we're not some continuum in evolution. We are 
the crown of creation. The purpose to made to have a relationship and a fellowship with the living God. But something happened. We sinned. We rebelled. Man ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. They fell. They died spiritually. And all who come into this world are made in the likeness. We come in dead in trespasses and sin. We come spiritually dead. In 1 Corinthians, it says the natural man, 1 Corinthians 2.14, we don't even understand the things of God. You realize that a human being out there doesn't understand the spiritual things of God. Not possible for him to know that. In fact, uh, when Adam died, when Adam sinned, his death passed to all people. So we all come into this world dead in trespasses and sins. We all come into this world not able to even understand the things of God. If God didn't do something, we'd never grasp it. Because all we like sheep have gone to the streets, went our own way. There's none righteous, no, not one. There's not even one that seeks after God. So we're doing our own thing. And God sends the Holy Spirit to convict the world of... Sin, righteousness, and judgment. Sin because they have not believed righteousness because it goes to be with the Father. Judgment because the Prince of the world has been judged. God uses the Holy Spirit to convict us of the fact that we haven't believed in Jesus Christ. That that uh, to be right to be with the Father, you have to be righteous, and there's a judgment coming. If God didn't do something, nobody would be saved. Now that's different than the Reformed view that says God picked out certain people, regenerated them, made them believe, and then they believed. That's different. We're not saying that. We're saying that man is lost, man is dead in sin, man is going his own way, and God sends the Holy Spirit to convict the whole world. And if God didn't do that, nobody would ever be saved because we're not heading that direction because we're dead in trespasses and sins. We do not teach people to do wrong. We teach people to do right because we all naturally do wrong. But even though man is fallen, Still in the image of the living God. We're special and unique. And as we continue in this pattern, we see the result of the fall and death. Look at verse 3. When Adam had lived 130 years, he became the father of a son in his own likeness, according to his image, and named him Seth. If you go back to chapter 4, when it was talking about Cain, and this just verse 25 just says, Adam had relations with his wife, and she gave birth to a son and named him Seth. We don't realize that Adam is 130 years old when this son comes along. And we'll talk in just a minute about ages and about how long they lived. And were they really those were those years, really, that many years? It says when he lived 130 years, he became the father of a son. And notice, in his own likeness, in the likeness of Adam, a fallen son. Every human being coming to this world is in the likeness of Adam. Now, we're still in the likeness of God, but we're in the likeness of Adam. Every offspring, every descent comes into this world in the likeness of Adam, dead in trespasses and sins. And realize, we're all made in the image of God, Psalm 139, but we're also made in the image of man, in the image of Adam, Romans 5:12. That's what we're like. It is said that man has a mind and emotion and a will and this concept of eternity which makes him like God. But in the same fact, he's a sinner. He's fallen. He's in the likeness of Adam. We're no longer able to understand the spiritual things. And we love the world rather than we love God. It is so easy. Is it not easy for your flesh to control you? What's the natural way to live? Fleshly. What's the supernatural way to live? Godly. In the spirit. We see the offspring of Adam. And as we go through this section, we're going to see the listing, and it's loud and true, death reigns. John Davis, he wrote a book called From Paradise to Prison. And he says in Genesis chapter 5, is like walking through a cemetery. But there's some key aspects in this chapter. 
as we move from Adam to Noah. Derek Kidner states this. Here's what we see. He see we see the value of the individual because he lists them all. He has he lists these names. And some people say, who cares? Who cares about these people? We we don't even know who they are. We don't even know what they did. Wouldn't it be that you just said Adam had Seth, and then way down the line he had Enoch because Enoch was kind of special, and you might want to list Methuselah because he lived longer than anybody else, and then you'd go to Noah. Why do you care about all these others? And you know why? Because God says each person is what? Special and unique. You remember they built the tabernacle. You remember building the tabernacle, and you read those passages in, in uh, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, the description, and all the boards, and how many boards, and how many hooks, and how the hooks are going to look, how the curtains are going to look. And you start reading that, and you go, man, why did he put all this down? Because he cares about what? Every detail. He cares about every detail of your life. Every detail of our lives. And so there are no little things. There's nothing that we says. Oh, that's not important, or God doesn't care about me, or God doesn't care about this, or this is such a little thing. It doesn't matter if I give a cup of cold water in the name of Jesus. It doesn't matter because it's just a little thing. He says, yes, it, it, you'll never lose your reward. It, everything is big. The value of the individual, we, think we see the life of Seth and his descendants. The appointed one is what Seth actually means, and we'll see that. And then we'll see the reign of death for all mankind. Notice what he goes on to say. Then the days of Adam, after he became the father of Seth, were 800 years. And he had other sons and daughters. They're not even listed. If you were some of the sons and daughters, you might say, how come we're not listed? How come Seth got listed? We didn't get listed. We wanted to be in the Bible too. Right? If you see Habakkuk and he says, how did you like my book? What are you going to say? I didn't read it. He said, I got a book in the Bible. You didn't even read it. As, as Adam, some of Adam's kids say, well, we didn't even get listed. So the days of Adam after he became the father of Seth were 800 years, and he had other sons and daughters. So all the days that Adam lived were 930 years, and he died. I was thinking about this a while ago because, I, you know, as I, I always look over the stuff before I come in. I, I haven't studied a long time before now, but I always look over it right before we come in. And I was thinking about, do you realize that when Adam died, that was the death of the very first human being? Right there. And think about what people thought. They all thought, you know, that's the very first person ever dying right there. I mean, that's, that's the very first person ever created, ever made, and he just died. That's a sad day. I mean, that's amazing when you think about it. Now, sometime, you ought to look at the ages of how long these people lived and realize that there were people, even at Noah's time, you know, as you start looking at all this, there were people who knew Adam, who knew, who knew Noah. Noah could say, what was Adam really like? Think about that. Their ages, 900 and something years. Now, that raises a question. That a lot of people say, was it really 930 years? And, and are these real years? And did they really live that long? Well, let me tell you, the best you can tell in Scripture, yes, it is. That just like it's real days, it's real years. And so people say, but how can people live 930 years when, when you know, 70 here, we're, we're, we're pushing it, 70 and 80, and we're pushing it. Uh, how could they live 900 years? 
Well, the best we can explain, the best way we can look at it, seems to have to do with that cloud cover before the flood. Because as you know, in the creation, it said that he made the water above and the water below. And the best we can see is there's the earth, and there's the land, and the water. And then there seemed to be this cloud cover, this water, this canopy above the earth. And seemed to have shielded them from some of the rays of the sun. That's the best we can tell. Because if you look at it before the flood in Genesis 1 and this, you start reading it. All these people lived a long time. You know it didn't rain. Till after the flood, it didn't rain. The water would come up as a mist. And if you know from Adam to Noah until the flood, people lived 800 and 900 years. And then after the flood, the very first generation that came and lived after the flood lived 500 years, then 400, then 300. By the time you get to Abraham, he lived 175, Isaac 180, Jacob 147, Joseph 110, Moses 120. It's way down. What happened? The best we can see is the lifespans became shorter because of the effect of the sun, because the cloud cover was gone. Uh, that's the best we can see. I don't think God said, I'm, I'm, I was saying different years, then I'm going to change it. That, that's not how he does it. So people lived a long time. Now, nobody lived a thousand years. But in the kingdom, guess what? We're going to rule with him for how long? A thousand years, just on this earth. The pattern is set. There's birth, the listing of the years, in death. I read the story of this man who was, had some poor health, so he decided to move to this warmer climate. So he called the Chamber of Commerce at this place, and he asked him about the temperature and average rainfall in the days of sunshine. And then he said, by the way, what's the death rate out there? And they said, uh, same as everywhere else, one death for every birth. Everybody who's born dies. Didn't change. <laughs> So uh, that's the truth. Let's go quickly through this, and I think that we'll have them, we'll have them listed up there. But let's, let's just look at it. We'll go fairly quick. Seth lived 105 years and became the father of Enish. Now, here's the question. I, I just want you to understand this. Does this mean that he was 105 before he ever had a child? Or does it mean that at 105 he has this son, and this is the son that God wanted to emphasize? I'm guessing the second, because a lot of times people say, well, he was, he was all the way up to 105 before he ever had any kids. Well, it, it may be they had children much earlier than that, but this is the one they want to emphasize, because you can notice there is a lineage, because they keep saying, and they had other sons and other daughters and others. So they're just not listing everybody, but they're listing the ones that God says, this is the one I want you to think. This is the, this is the lineage I want you to follow. So Seth lived 800 years and became the father of well, Seth lived 105 years and became the father of Enosh. Then Seth lived 807 years after he became the father of Enosh. He had other sons and daughters. So all the days of Seth were 912 years. And what happened to him? He died. So then Enosh lived 90 years and became the father of Kenan. And Enosh lived 815 years after he became the father of Kenan. And he had other sons and daughters. So it's the same pattern. And then notice, so all the days of Enosh were 905 years, and he died. We see the same pattern. And then Kenan lived 70 years and became the father of Mahalahal. And then he lived 840 years after he became the father of Mahalahal, and he had other sons and daughters. So all the days of Kenan were 910 years. They're all living right at 900 years, 910, 905, uh, 912, 930. So they're all about that. So all the days of Kenan were 910 years, and he died. Same thing. Mahalalahal lived 65 years and became the father of Jared. 
Then Mahalaha lived 830 years, as became the father of Jared. He had other sons and daughters. So all the days of Mahalaha were 895 years. Oh, he's the first person didn't make in the 900s. You could hear people saying, he was so young, so young, you know. But at least he had Jared, right? He went to Jared. But anyway, um, so Maha lived 830 years after he became the father of Jared and had the other sons and daughters. So all the days of Maha Laha were 895 years, and he died. Now, here's the man to remember, because watch. Jared lived 162 years and became the father of Enoch. Now, that's the name that stands out. We know that Adam stands out, Abel stands out, Cain stands out, uh, Seth stands out. And then after all these other names, suddenly the name Enoch stands out. Because as soon as you hear the name Enoch, what do you think of? He's the person that what? That, That didn't die. He walked with God, whatever that meant. What does it mean to walk with God? Because to walk with God doesn't mean you don't die. Walk with God means a special relationship with God. But he didn't die. He was a person that God took him. And we'll talk about it and see what that means. But notice what it says. So Jared lived 162 years and he became the father of Enoch. And so Jared lived 800 years after he became the father of Enoch. He had those sons and daughters. So all the days of Jared were 962 years. He lived a long time. 962. About the second oldest that you can find in the scripture. Now, you find in the midst of death there's this hope. Because there are two people that are said to have walked with God. One is Enoch in 5.22, Enoch walked with God, and the other is Noah. In fact, two people walked with God in 5.22, and you, have, you get Noah's in this passage, but it's not until you get to chapter 6, verse 9, where it says, These are the records of the generations of Noah. Noah was a righteous man, blameless in his time. Noah walked with God. So when you think about it, here's two people that are said to have walked with God, Enoch and Noah. And their names have some great meanings there. Uh, Enoch has that idea of of of, uh, of of being ready for something, and Noah has the name of resting. And we'll see how it ties together. But look, look at this: Enoch lived 65 years and became the father of Methuselah. Now, what do you think of when you think of Methuselah, the oldest man in the Bible? People say old as Methuselah. Well, you could almost say old as Jared, because Jared's right behind him. But Methuselah, the best that we can see from the scripture, is the oldest person listed in the Bible by his age. And it says that Enoch lived 65 years. He became the father of Methuselah. But there's more. Enoch walked with God 300 years after he became the father of Methuselah. And he had other sons and daughters. So all the days of Enoch were 365 years. If we stopped right there, we'd go, what? Well, everybody else lived 900, except for one guy who lived 895. And suddenly, here's this guy who comes along who walks with God, and he only makes it 365 years? That's not very long. The question we want to raise before we even get that far is, what does it mean to walk with God? It says they lived and they lived, but it says Enoch walked. And walk has this idea of fellowship, to maintain a fellowship, to be in close company. In fact, the Septuagint, Septuagint is the Greek Old Testament. As time went by, people were not speaking Hebrew anymore, and they were losing it. So somebody said, let's put the Old Testament in Greek. That's called the Septuagint. And in this passage, the the Greek translation says that Enoch was well-pleasing to God. They translated walked with God as well-pleasing. Martin Luther said he was not a mere talker about God, but he was a walker with God. 
It's a special term. It has an idea of fellowship and a close association. I think it's very similar to metakoi when you get in the New Testament and it talks about partnership and we talk about being partners with Christ and having this close relationship. I think walking with God in the Old Testament is an idea of a partnership and a close association. And it's a picture really of a positive, what we'd say is a real positive Christian life. Colossians 2, 6, as you receive Christ Jesus the Lord, so what do you do? So walk in that, the walk of the Christian life. Now notice the next verse. It says, all the days of Enoch were 365 years. And if we stopped there, we would go, that's sort of sad. He just didn't get all the years that everybody else got. But look at the next verse. Enoch walked with God. And he was not. For God took him. Enoch walked with God. And God took him. The word took him is the word translated. It means to change. It means to be from one place to another. Yeah, I put that up there. It literally means to change him from one place to another. The best that we can tell is when Enoch walked with God, suddenly he's gone. He's translated. He's taken from one place to another. And we don't really know where that other is. Because we know that even though Enoch was a great man, he was also a what? A sinner, falling short of the glory of God. Where did God take him? Did he take him to the heart of the earth? Did he take him there without seeing physical death? Was what he did for him was just say, I don't want you to even have to die physically. I'm just going to take you. J. Vernon McGee tells the story. It's probably not biblically accurate, but it's a good story. And he says that every day that Enoch would walk with God, and they would walk and they would walk and talk and walk and talk and walk and talk, and they'd go places. And one day they were walking and talking, and they looked up, and God said, You know, you're closer to my home than your home. Why don't you just come home with me? And so he walked with God and he took him. The question is, where did he take him? And if what we can see from other parts of the scripture, he probably went to the heart of the earth, to the paradise side. But he didn't die physically. So Enoch walked with God and he was not. There is, there is the hope in the, midst, in the midst of death that there is life, there is victory. You know, there's a generation of believers. There's a generation of the church of New Testament saints that will never see physical death. There's a whole generation of us. Could be us. Could be any second. The older you get, the more you want it to come, right? I mean, you're young. You say, I've got a lot of things to do. I've got a lot of things I want to do. I'm not sure I want him to come back right this second because I've got a lot of things to do. Then you get older and you say, I wish you'd hurry up and come back. So for some of us in this room, you're saying, I wish he'd come back. Some of you are saying, well, I'm not quite ready yet for him to come back right this second. But there's a whole generation that's going to be changed just like that. In the midst of death, there is life and there is victory over sin and death. We see the one who lived in obedience and fellowship with God and he serves as a spokesman. For God overrules his death, and he's a special person who didn't see physical death. The only other person, can you think of the only other person in the Scripture that you know of didn't see physical death? Elijah, because the chariot came down, picked him up, took him away. That's a really amazing story with Elijah and Elisha walking together. And Elisha says to Elijah, I want what you got. I want the double portion. I want what you got. And he said, I'll tell you what, if, if you see me leave, you get it. And suddenly he saw that chariot coming down. So he pick him up and take him away. And what did he leave behind? The cloak. And he picked that cloak up and said, All right, I got the cloak. And what did he do with that cloak? You remember? What did he do with that cloak? What was the first thing he did with it? 
They had, they had crossed over the Jordan River. And when they crossed the Jordan River the first time, Elijah took the cloak, hit the water, it parted. He walked across it. Now, Elisha has the cloak. He comes back to the Jordan River. Guess what he does? Hits it, breaks, walks right on across. He said, this thing really works. You know? The Spirit of God, the power of God, he is using it. Well, next time we're going to focus on the other man who walked with God, and that's Noah, the one who gives rest. And uh, we'll see some details of both Enoch and Noah, the two men who walked with God. We'll talk a little bit more about walking with God and what it means and how that ties together. What have we seen tonight? We've seen Adam's generation through Seth. Adam is made in God's likeness, and he produces children in his likeness. And the pattern is death, and Adam all die, but the result of sin is the fall and death. But there's the hope there of Enoch who walked with God, and he's a pattern. Uh, and that's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to walk with God. Let me give you some applications, and then we'll celebrate the Lord's Supper. But let's realize, first of all, realize the consequences of sin. See, in Adam, what? I think that in Adam all die. We come into the world spiritually dead, and then we all die physically. We see it so clearly in Genesis chapter 5. They all died, even though they lived a long time. They'd say, boy, I'd like to live 900 years. Well, you're going to live forever. you can live forever in a body. You're going to live for a thousand years on this earth in a body that will never wear out. And then you're going to live for all eternity on a new heavens and a new earth in a body that will not wear out. So if we say, boy, it wouldn't have been great to live 960 years or 950, you're going to live forever in a body that will never wear out. In Adam all die, realize the consequences of sin. Whenever we try to teach our children right from wrong, we realize that immediately they're going to want to do wrong, and we have to teach them the right. And when we see death, we realize that's the consequences of sin. Number two, realize that there is hope in God. There is. God has a hope. The hope is in Jesus Christ. He is the one who's dealt with sin. He has given man eternal life and the hope, the hope of eternal life. We see that in the life of Enoch and Noah. In fact, as you look at it, I think there's a slide in there. In Enoch, there is eternal life. He has the victory over the death. In Noah, there's the rest. He has the peace with God. You know, right in the midst of everybody doing so bad, it says, Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. And it says, Noah was a righteous man. That means he was a believer. Noah was a righteous man and blameless in his time. He lived righteously and godly. That's the kind of man we want to be. That's the kind of man or woman we want to be, a righteous and godly one. By faith in Jesus Christ, we have eternal life. Death no longer has victory over us. We have victory over sin and death. That's why we can say, death, where is your sting? Oh, grave, where is your victory? It's not the end. May we realize that in Jesus Christ we have the hope of eternal life and the victory over death. Let's pray, and then we'll have the Lord's Supper. It'll be a lot of fun. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, what a night. Thank you for this passage. Lord, as we think about it, there's some great truths there, and we realize the consequences of sin because we see what we call the death chapter because everybody in Genesis chapter 5 dies except for Enoch. And they're all made in the likeness of Adam, and they come into the world dead in sin. And even though they lived a long time, Lord, we realize that they died because of sin. We realize that there's hope, though. The hope is the hope of eternal life, as Enoch who walked with God, and the hope of Noah who's the peace. And, Lord, we thank you that in the midst of death, there is life. In Adam all die, in Christ all will be made of life. Alive, He is the way, the truth, and the life. He is the resurrection and the life. Thank you, Lord, for Jesus. He is the one. And, and Lord, as we think about what he has done for us, may we never take it for granted. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.